1: Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio network. Radio network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up,
0: guys? This is the Monday
1: Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling
0: content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Pratt. This is your resident smart slayer.
1: Sir, for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz Buzz guys, my name is Kate Rosie of the
0: Kings of the Ring podcast
1: and you are listening and you're listening and you're listening and And you are listening and you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up everybody? This is Katie Ricky Rose and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. You know, honestly, it would not be 4th of July unless we add a little bit of the Olympic gold medalist, the Hall of Famer, Kurt Angle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Game Changer Podcast, exclusively here, of course, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Nate the F and Great. You can follow me on Twitter at Real F and Game. Check me out on Facebook, where I also have a Facebook uh, fan page. You can check out all of our recent podcasts as well as me- media news that comes out, pop culture, everything that you can. It's absolutely awesome. And join me as always is the one and only brother 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 himself. The one, the only, the glorious Mr. Fratz. It's me, it's me, it's Mr.
0: F-R-E-T-Z. And I just died a little on the side because I pronounced it Z. But since uh, 4th of July is going to be coming gone by the time you guys hear this podcast, that was for you. <laughs>
1: little bit of bang-bang in your 4th of July weekend. You're welcome from the Game Changer Podcast. So, I did mention this on Twitter, and I'm going to say this again, that we kind of wanted to do something a little bit interesting for the month of July. So, we thought it might be kind of cool to talk about some game-changing episodes of the flagship show in WWE, that being Monday Night Raw. We're going to be hitting on quite a few different episodes, giving you guys the results, our general thoughts on these episodes, and honestly, we're just going to see how it kind of evolves from there. And I've seen a lot of very interesting episodes of Monday Night Raw uh, over the last few days when we made this announcement. Uh... Today it's going to be really cool because we're going to be starting from the early beginnings and even going into an episode where we talk about one episode of Raw that was not exactly the best, but it was also a game-changing episode when it came to the Monday Night War. But before we do that, we have to talk about Monday Night Raw this past week because, shit, it was honestly a game-changer in my opinion. It was not exactly what I was expecting. I mean, we kicked off with a bang, which when I read that on Facebook from a friend of mine... I literally thought, okay, so this is one of those situations where this show is already going going down the crapper. And no, literally we see, hey, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley a falls kinda anywhere matchup. Okay, this might be interesting. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley basically kill each other. Wait what? Literally watching the replay over and over again of Braun Strowman and Lashley going through that LED light deal, uh, them basically not moving. They even had like a camera angle where they have you know paramedics, doctors, everybody just coming in to check on Braun and on Bobby. They apparently were taken not to a medical facility, which is what WWE like to do. No, Renee Young, according to her, they went to a hospital. That's new. That that's kind of interesting. That makes it a little more real. That makes it more interesting. What Cody the hell? Said, Cody said it's swear, that's new too. <laughs> oh my god, that's right, it was an uncensored swear, I loved it, I literally rewinded that at least three times, like, did I just hear that right? And I just hear him just like, holy shit! I'm like, oh my god, he pulled a Taz, I love it, he's not my favorite person, but I just love this moment of Corey Graves right here.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that, that was crazy, and I was, uh, I was tweeting at this, I was tweeting a little bit at this point, but I was also, uh, drinking because Canada Day um I was just like hey it looks like Ross started with don't say it don't say it don't say it don't say it don't say it, don't say it with a bang wah, wah. but yeah that was I was not expecting something like that to happen and then we were I was in a, a couple of different group chats and they're like oh wait is this legit is this legit and I'm um, like everyone's going like I'm like Guys, this is totally a work. I mean, if you saw Bobby Lashley's promo on SmackDown last night, work, work,
1: work, 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 do 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 to work, 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 work. However, that song goes. <laughs> out. Oh man, no, yeah, I have not got a chance to see SmackDown, but yeah, it is kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you have to understand people that not everything is. Is it real? Some of it's a work, 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 work. And I think we've seen this spot before, but it's been a while actually. I think the last time I remember a spot like that happening was, oh gosh, I want to say 2013 when they did the whole thing with Ryback and Cena. I can't remember any other time after that that it kind of did something like that.
0: The SmackDown Fist? I remember, I remember a thing where... Rhino Gord Jericho through uh, through the old SmackDown screen, and then the next week we got you know the classic Giant Fist. Oh, uh, allegedly, okay. there might be a new stage for Monday Night Raw coming up, and this would have um, got the process going a little bit. Personally, I would love to see like the the uh what we're about to talk about like, like the classic raw stage with like the big raw curtains but that that's just the uh the nostalgic guy in me or maybe even have you know raw is war and then the war zone you know no. the third hour of raw but
1: yeah on- honestly that would be kind of cool um so going into like a couple of matches we'll kind of skim through some of these i don't think too many of these are really worth that much of the way it highlights uh, we had a tag team match between the new day and the war Raiders I still call them the yep I still call them the war Raiders yes the, the person that wrote this article calls them that refusing to call them the Viking Raiders I I love this I think this is actually C, is this CBS oh this is CBS yes even no, they don't. know it's stupid <laughs> even they know it's stupid CBS <laughs> you're my heroes right now oh my god that's amazing um, but it ended in a DQ when Samoa Joe came out He attacked the New Day, and then we got a six-man tag team match out of it in which we saw Samoa Joe choke out Kofi Kingston, and this is all build-up for their match at Extreme Rules in which Kofi will defend his WWE title against Samoa Joe. Uh, Can you say I'm excited for this? Because honestly, this is probably going to be the first true test of Kofi Kingston since he won the WWE title, and honestly... There have been a lot of rumors about, you know, Kofi dropping the belt early. There might be people saying that he's going to drop it on, you know, the first episode of SmackDown when they go to Fox. I don't know. Honestly, though, I will say this, that if we get another great showing with Samoa Joe and Kofi, I'm okay with that. And honestly, regardless of the outcome, I'm happy with it. Because Kofi's had a really good run. Samoa Joe is vastly underrated in WWE. Uh, It just... I love what they're doing with this. I love what they're doing with this story. Yeah, it's, it's really neat. And this was the first time that
0: Kofi has ever been pinned or submitted since he became the WWE Champion. So that might oh, put a little knot in the storyline. I I don't think Joe's going to win the title here quite yet. Uh, SummerSlam... Uh, it's, it's going to where we see all, all the big moments and all the big title changes, I think. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because it's happening in my kind of backyard of uh, the six Toronto. Uh, but it's just because, you know, SummerSlam, you know, the biggest party of the summer. Uh, we get the big moments there. You know, like last year with uh, Becky Lynch and her, and her turn and just beating the absolute crap out of Charlotte. Uh, I, I really like this feud. I thought... You know the addition of Joe came out of nowhere because because brand split and the wild card and yeah this is a, a big test for him and of course you know we saw this break out into an eight man tag team because uh, because commercial breaks and
1: two out of three falls and and all that jazz uh, oh trust me we're we're still gonna get into a two out of three falls match we're probably not gonna get through any more broadcasts without talking about this God help uh, us. Uh, uh, they used to be so worthwhile, and now it's like, hey, we're going to make these more now. This is stupid. This is literally stupid. Um, but let's go into something that is a little more entertaining. Definitely to say the least. You can't talk entertaining without talking about our truth and the 24 7 championship. Yes. But also, this features Drake Maverick bringing out uh, his real life wife, Renee Michelle, to Monday Night Raw. At first, Renee thought, oh, they were going to be going to a nice honeymoon and stuff like that, and she's pissed off that they went to Monday Night Raw, and she even lays down the ultimatum it's either the 24-7 title or her, and and I almost called him Rockstar Spud. I'm sorry. He's still Spud, Spud to Spud, me, damn it. Spud, Spud. <laughs> um, Drake Maverick says, of course I choose you, and you know, they gave gave each other a hug and Drake Maverick has his eyes open during this hug we see R-Truth just passing by with the title and it's one of those things where it's like it's a gimme, it's a gimme but but he's just trying to be so uh, loyal to Renee there's even that funny moment where R-Truth just literally lies on the barricade almost to taunt Drake Maverick and there's that spot moment where he slowly gets up. He's going to try to go for the pin. And Renee's just right behind her, giving that look of like, if you dare. It's like, yes, this is why the 24-7 title was made. I love it. Uh, in the end, though, Drake Maverick would walk away with the championship. Yeah, and <laughs> That was amazing. And we get to possibly hear the fact that they've consummated the marriage because Drake Maverick is a champion now. <laughs> And I, We're going to do it 24-7, baby! <laughs> and let, let me rephr- let me say that again. It's constimate, not constipate. <laughs> Although that was one of the funniest moments I've ever seen on Raw as of late. Just hearing Archer just saying, like, oh, you should have some fiber for that. And I'm just like, what the, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, oh! And seeing that genuine laugh from Carmella just just made it that much more better I think she's enjoying this more than she thought she ever would hell if I was in her shoes I would be enjoying it so much more just these stupid little witty banters between Drake Maverick and our truth are just fascinating uh,
0: I I love all of this uh, uh, I, I love the, there's this one moment I think Cesaro's is having a match with uh, no way Jose and then our truth is out in the crowd and then you know Cesaro gives, gives him a uh, neutralizer on the outside and almost wins the 24-7 title himself. But we had, you know, oh, Drake's like, r- runs into truth backstage after, you know, after the entire undercard is just running through the arena. Uh, you're running like, no, I just want to go on my honeymoon. And I'm like, no, you don't, no. It's like his wife, his wife went for a, for a pee or something, and then you see, see them cross paths, Flap him with the luggage! Like, oh man, I'm still I'm getting big time Crash Holly vibes out of this guy. I I, I love Drake Maverick, and I'm wondering how this is going to tie into his um, role as 205 Live General Manager because eventually uh, something's going to give, and I I'm I'm looking at this like, okay, our truth is going to end up on the honeymoon. Like, he had a little promo on SmackDown where he's just like, I want my baby back! I missed my European TV 24-7-11 title, and... I remember my honeymoon and just going on, like, a different planet. I mean, he's going on a different planet, not Planet Stasiac but... oh, it, This is more entertaining than I thought it would be. I thought this was just gonna be a big bag of crap, but I'm... I'm loving it, like... I'm looking at this like, okay, one of two things is going to happen. Our truth is going to go to their honeymoon. Uh, they're going to be in bed, and you know, oh yeah, let's uh, you know, let's let's do it, baby. Um, yeah, w- watch me sound sexy after being awake for thirty minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, I was like, yeah, baby, let's let's do it. Click, lights out. Then you just hear one, two, three, lights on. It's either truth running out with the title or implied consummation, kind of like the live sex celebration with Edge and Lita. Um, Mrs. Maverick pins him.
1: Oh my god. I would be okay and fairly entertained with either or. It's more than likely going to happen. We kind of predicted that R-Truth was going to get involved in the wedding somehow. So this is probably going to be another deal where, if it hasn't happened already, it's probably going to happen on WWE.com. So, you know, I I think in the words of Adam Blampier, has this already happened? Hooray! Or if not, bollocks. (laughs) Just just hoping that this actually happens. Um, All right, so we move on from that to... uh, the fact that the Street Profits came up. Um, so two issues that I have with this. Um, one, they're the NXT Tag Team Champions, and the War Raiders gave up their titles just to come up to the main roster. So what? where does this... It's just a little bit inconsistency here. And two, why the hell were the Street Profits on Raw? I'm all sorts of confused. Honestly,
0: I think this was just a, a one-shot deal. Uh, maybe just to, to pop the crowd and pop the ratings a little bit. Uh, I just went and checked the twenty-four-seven title Twitter page. Nothing has happened yet. Um, I, yeah, I, I was actually I was really shocked to see Street Profits because they were kind of accidentally shown during the whole um, EMTs thing in the hospital. Uh,
1: Oh, that's right! I remember that now. It was just one of those moments where it like a, you, it's like a—it's like a blink of an eye. They show up, and it's like, "Oops!" <laughs> yeah, it was—it it was
0: like that moment where Vince McMahon was on his way to his uh, kayfabe death from his limo, and you see the whole line of people, and Paul London sitting there, like
1: doing like that weird th- smile deal. Yeah, because
0: it's like well, I—I I listened to a shoot interview with him. He was one of my—he was one of my favorites, and it was just like I it was so ludicrous, like, I couldn't help but laugh and, and was one this one fanfic or fantasy booking thing had, like, him as the culprit of it and then Paul London getting the WWE title run and the family feud with Triple H I would mark the freak out because, like I followed Paul London's career from, like, Ring of Honor to WWE and when he left the Fed I, I damn near cried but i w- I would have loved that uh, I don't know whereas, yeah i I don't think the street profits are going to be on raw that much um if if they are like they drop the titles in Toronto to you know hopefully undisputed era and then I hope they get an actual rub instead of the uh the stink of former NXT teams that have come come up to the main roster, like the Ascension, like the War Raiders actually got a pop this week. I was shocked. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, they were they were in Dallas, but I'm like, did they just get a reaction? Like, okay, maybe there's something with them. I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But Dawkins, holy crap,
1: is that man entertaining? No, I definitely do agree. We'll just have to wait and see how things go. And Oh, God. Yeah, I know what you meant by the whole NXT deal. Seems like anybody who comes up from NXT to the main roster usually ends up getting shafted. There's been a few cases where it's like, no, they're doing good, they're doing good, but then most of the other times it's just shafted. Yep, Sean Spears. Yep, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, too. I'm sorry, for those of you that are WWE marks, that's Ty Dillinger. That's his independent name now.
0: His real name is Sean Spears, I think.
1: Oh, okay. So, it's a mixture It's a mixture of reality and fiction or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, try to see here. Where did I leave off on my notes? Oh, okay. So, I think that nobody was probably surprised to hear that Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre were going to oh. call The Undertaker. We're going to pass by like the promo stuff. Uh, let's get to the good stuff. The gong, Undertaker comes out, and I legit, legitimately thought to myself, this feels like it's going to be a deal where, like it's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, where Shawn Michaels just says like, "Oh, if Bret the Hitman Hart came down, I screwed you once, Bret, and I'll screw you again." You know, Bret's music hits, and everybody's just going absolutely crazy to go fanfare, and then Sean's just like. Got your hopes up just a little bit, didn't I? I legit thought that's what they were going with this, but then I saw Undertaker, I'm like, okay, I'm getting goosebumps now. And I will say this, for all the years that Undertaker has put in, he still cuts one hell of a promo. And even with this one on Raw, I still got goosebumps from it. He just knows how to make a promo work. And with this one, oh, he basically talks about himself being the Reaper of Souls. And he came back not because Roman Reigns begged him to. even mentions, Roman Reigns didn't ask me to come back. I came back to take your souls. In which I'm just like, uh, hell yeah, thank you. I don't care if he is 60 or 70. I don't care. Let's see Undertaker just <laughs> Tombstone, Shane McMahon and maybe even put over Drew McIntyre. Let, that's the only thing I thing I ask from Undertaker right now destroy Shane put over Drew I think that that's a fair thing to ask for and he ends it with the very interesting way of saying you. he basically says you know you guys think you're the best in this world but when you when I take you to my world you're basically going to be screaming in agony it's one of those things where he paints this vivid picture and I'm just like oh shit he's going to basically drive them to hell Please do, and he ends it with him saying that you two will not rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Oh gosh! I like I said the Drew McIntyre Shane McMahon thing. I hate it, but the Undertaker promo just saved that for me. I loved it.
0: Uh, absolutely, uh, it, it took it took a little while, but. Oh, man, like, I mean, I want Taker to retire, too, but at the same time, he's still going to get a pop out of me when he comes out, especially when it's, like, a surprise, like it was when he uh, came out a couple of weeks ago when Shane was about to coast-to-coast Roman. Oh, I'm, man. I'm pretty sure everyone in our group chat just screamed, like, uh
1: Drew McIntyre against Taker, I'm, I'm in. I'm totally in for that. Just, Drew, do us one favor. Please don't cave in Taker's skull. I, I know that you're really, really good, and especially with that Claymore kick. Oh, my God, can you make people just look like they got destroyed by that? But just please, don't kill Undertaker. We still want to see him in the Hall of Fame, him some kind of funny story. Yeah,
0: it'll, it'll be f- weird to see him in the Hall of Fame because... We never see him in the crowd at the actual Hall of Fame. I don't think he goes. It's just a part of his, his kayfabe about his career. Maybe he's backstage, but when he gets inducted, like that's it's going to be like when, um, when Sting got inducted. He's like basically up there as Steve Borden with without the face paint. is going to be up there as, as Mark Calloway, but... His speech, like he's been, he's been in the WWE for twenty nine years. Yeah, that is most—that's most of my life. I was in grade one when Taker debuted. No, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Yeah,
1: I was in grade one. I was already done kindergarten at that point. I think I was born a few months prior to Taker debuting, so. The fact that I was spawned the same year that The Undertaker came to be. That says something, but I'm not going to go too deep into it. Yeah. Um, Alright, so we'll pass these next couple matches because, honestly, there's not much really to say about them. Lacey defeated Natalya. Yeah. Miz defeated Elias in two out of three falls match. This is your match that people, of course, are going to be like, whatever. Uh, Let's get into this very interesting situation here. So... Mike and Maria, my no. God, have these two been really interesting since re-signing. Uh, Mike did this whole deal where he seemingly quits during uh, 205 Live. Then we had this deal where uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, they're doing like a little couples deal where, you know, they're basically doing it. People have said it's very cringeworthy. I, looking back at it, it is kind of cringeworthy, except for one moment where Seth Rollins is like, it's like well, I'm always right, and then Becky just looks right at him. I'm just so you're like, yes, okay, this is believable. This is believable because anytime you have, yep, for some people, facepalm club. I'm I'm put, I'm put I'm putting that in this episode from now on. So we're definitely going to be plugging the hashtag facepalm club. Shout out to Kayla and Rachel because you two are the originators, and it called for that, but. Then we get into this mixed tag team match. And then it gets interesting. Because if you thought kayfabe was dead... Yeah! um, I think it came back during this matchup. So we're seeing Seth and Mike do a pretty good job of wrestling each other. And then we get to the deal where it's like... Okay, it's going to be Becky and Maria. They're about to go crazy. Uh, Becky's getting ready to take out Maria. Maria's just berating Mike. But then she drops the bombshell... That she was—that she is pregnant. To which I'm literally like, "Wait, what? 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 What?" I, I, there's so many fa- faces I could have made during that. One of which was just jaw on the ground. What? Mike is just kind of yelling. Yeah, I was like, "How could you be pregnant? How could you be pregnant?" And instead of like maybe the funny deal where maybe she says a line of like, "Well, I wasn't alone when it happened," Mike basically. She castrates him. That's the best way of putting it. Uh, Becky Lynch defeats Mike with the disarm her, or in this case, it's the disarm him. Uh, then Maria castrates Mike some more, basically saying that if you know she wanted real man, she'll go find the man, that being Becky Lynch. It was a interesting situation, and one of the few times where I'm like, okay, Raw has kind of kept my interest now. It's weird, but they found a way to keep me interested. Here's to
0: the greatest, greatest love I've ever <laughs> known. I apologize to everyone's ear holes for that. <laughs> actually, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I this segment, I just cringed throughout this whole segment. I think Maria is actually, I'm not mistaken, she might be shoot pregnant, but this was the best... I am pregnant announcement since May Young.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's saying a lot. I'm Holy crap!
0: Pregnant.
1: <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I love I,
0: I love the Canellas. The Canellas like they just signed a five year contract and. You essentially bury Mike I mean, spoilers Well, actually not spoilers now Because you're going to hear this on Sunday But last night on 205 Live Mike Kanellis was pinned in a six-man tag So I think this kind of Adds another layer to the story Kanellis is going to win the, the Cruiserweight title I mean, it, I mean, it's happening I'm, I'm calling it now And that'll be the culmination of all this Seemingly burial And Uh yeah, what's the word I'm looking for emasculation and everything and eventually with the thelysis still being the power couple of 205 live I still think that's gonna happen. Um, and if Maria is actually pregnant then maybe you know Mike went does goes and say, okay, I'm gonna do this by
1: myself. Yeah, honestly I could see that happening too. We, yeah, we have definitely talked about the idea of having Maria as the GM and Mike as the champion. You, you could be right on, on this. This could be setting the pace for what will essentially happen. Only problem is that Drew Gulak is, I think he's a heel right now, but then again, they could make him a babyface. I think I could see him turning into a pretty good baby face, maybe even a tweener, but I think 205 Live logic and you know WWE logic are two different deals just like you know NXT logic is different from WWE logic because NXT and 205 Live they can make sense with WWE logic it's like okay it makes sense to a point that's the best way i could put it yeah i am yeah <laughs> so let's get on to of course the main event of Monday night raw for this past week, we had Ricochet defending his United States Championship against AJ Styles after AJ pinned Ricochet in a singles matchup last week, which was the best one. Um, I really liked the build-up to this because it felt kind of like a pay-per-view style matchup where we had Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. They're basically, say, they're basically trying to talk down to AJ Styles like, well... If you were the true AJ Styles we knew in Japan, you would have defeated him decisively. You wouldn't have had to, you know, given up a breath for this guy. You would have done it, you know, no problem. But he came that close to beating you. It was like, okay, they're starting to put a fire on his ass. This might be a good resurgence for the AJ Styles uh, career, I guess you could say. Uh, then they go off to Ricochet and basically saying, well, I mean, he beats you, so. It's going to be one of those situations where he's probably come after your U.S. title. Ricochet, out of context, said, you know, yeah, I can be AJ Styles. Again, if I I can beat AJ Styles if given the chance. They basically twist it and go back to AJ Styles saying that he does this. You get a great, oh my God, this was such an awesome moment where we have a face-off between Ricochet and AJ. They basically berate each other. They're basically saying, like, oh, you said you could beat me. It's like, oh, I never said that, but I know you're saying that just basically setting up the matchup AJ Styles says yeah I'm gonna take your title tonight and Ricochet says I'm fine with that may the best man win sticks out his hand and then we get a thunderous slap to the face by Styles to Ricochet oh my god was that just a thing of beauty I'm not gonna lie it was one of those moments where I'm like oh shit he almost took off he almost took off Ricochet's head and then Ricochet decided okay my turn slaps him in the face, we build up and we get the matchup between Ricochet and AJ Styles. Pretty good matchup. We get a weird dusty finish to start off with AJ Styles hitting the phenomenal forearm, pins him 1-2-3, but Ricochet's foot was underneath the rope, so they decide to restart the matchup and it ended with Ricochet picking up the victory and retaining the US title. I think had they not done that dusty finish deal it probably would have been a better matchup that's just my opinion but I think it was still a good matchup it was just that whole dusty deal kind of took away from the momentum uh, we see Styles and Ricochet kind of do like a handshake of respect and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are like no what's this going on they're mocking it's, it's like oh hey you guys did great blah 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 and let's see here how do I describe, basically, how this next segment happened? you remember way back when, when AJ Styles and John Cena faced off against each other in the ring for the first time? And we had the club coming out, and everybody's thinking, Okay, well, it's going to be an even two-on-two deal. We're going to see that. And we got the most greatest hashtag of all time, that being hashtag beat up John Cena. Hashtag beat up Ricochet. That's how I can describe this beat down Ricochet, and we get a second rope, Styles clash. Holy mother of God, was that one of those moments where I'm just literally like on my couch, almost out of breath, thinking, okay, he could have gotten seriously hurt, but that was an awesome moment. And it seems like AJ Styles has reunited with the club, to which I'm okay with. I like this trio. It's awesome. And if, you know, Gals and Anderson are leaving, they're leaving on a high note. It's going to be just—it's going to be awesome to see what happens here, Mister Fretz, Your thoughts on hashtag Beat Up Ricochet? Two words, too sweet. Ha <laughs> uh, Oh, it's—I mm. can't put it any other way. Cannot. Yep. Put it, can't really add it any other way. All right, guys. So we're going to take a little quick commercial break, and we come back. We're going to take a little blast from the past and talk about classic Monday Night Raws. And honestly, after watching these first two episodes, it's going to be very interesting because you definitely do see a bit of a difference as well as similarities from, from I think it was like 93 and 98. So definitely tune in, guys. It's going to be an awesome rollback for Monday Night Raw. Hey guys, this is Nate the and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts from classic belts to the modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well as these guys' deals. Especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship goal. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer. I'm indeed Nate the F and Great. I'm representing AJsbelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast.
0: This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew!
1: Welcome back, guys, to this edition of the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Nate the Effing Great, joined here by Mr. Fritz, And I guess congratulations goes out to Mike and Maria. I mean, it's a giant question mark at this point, but let's see what happens. Honestly, I'm thinking I should have started off with this theme music than the uh, Kurt Angle deal, but ah, eh, well. So we are going back, you guys, back way, way, way back into the day... That being January 11th, 1993, the first episode, the first game-changing episode of Monday Night Raw. And let's face it, the reason why it's game-changing is because it's one of the first times we see Monday Night Raw have an actual television show. And honestly, it is one of the highest and longest-reigning TV shows of all time, guys, spanning over 25 years. It is absolutely... A fantastic way to start off this list. So, let's get right into it. I'm actually going to go through a couple of these matches really quick here. Uh, We started off with Yokozuna defeating Coco Beware. And this was during when Yokozuna was undefeated. And this was also in the build-up to the Royal Rumble. So, this is where... This stuff got really good. Um, We had the Steiner Brothers defeating the Executioners. We had... I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things that I find to be very entertaining and a lot of fun just to enjoy the first episode of Monday Night Raw. But there is a caveat when it comes to this episode, and I think I'm going to pass this off to my co-host, Mr. Fretz, because you kind of do hit the nail on the head on one of the things that does get annoying during this episode.
0: Before I get into Rob Bartlett, for those, those of you who watch OSW Review... As soon as I saw Doink and Crush, I'm just like, you know, Doink bra, making kids cry bra. It um, uh, took me right back. But Rob Bartlett, like having a third man in Monday Night Raw was all right. But why would you bring in a comedian, a, a terrible? Comedian. I'll, I don't remember all of his bad jokes, but none of them land. And I just think that at, at some point in time, Gorilla and Macho just sandbagged. Vince and Macho just sandbagged. I'm like, yeah, that's enough out of you. And he lasted what three, four, five weeks. Probably. Yeah. Uh, why they wouldn't let Bobby? He- like, I know the Bobby and stuff was a funny story, but it, it could have had like uh, who was in the even in the Fed at that point he could have had just a two-man booth but kind <laughs> of partly kind of wrecked it for me
1: yeah I think that there was a lot of stuff that Bob uh, that Rob said that it was just kind of like nah, you know, hit miss I mean there was like some moments where some things kind of were funny where uh, he went, where I think they were asking well which which one do you like better Rick or Scott Steiner and I think he said the comment was like the one in the middle and it was like oh. <laughs> it's well, like Okay, that's kind of funny. I mean, it's not like hilarious, like, ah, ha, ha, oh, man, Drake Maverick and R-Truth funny. It's like, eh, you know, I mean, get a little chuckle out of that. Also, Scott Steiner with a mullet, probably one of his my favorite looks when it comes to him. And this yep. is like totally pre-buffed out, short bleach, blonde hair, him cursing at everybody kind of deal. Him with a mullet was like one of the best looks for him.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that, that, that was just fun. Like I love going back to 80s and 90s wrestling and just looking at all of, all of the Kentucky waterfalls. I mean, Michaels, Crush, uh, Scott Steiner, probably the, the Jobbers, and whatever the heck Damian Demento was.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's going to be some of those things we're just going to bring up every now and then. It's like, hey, at least you didn't face Damian Demento. Demento. Demento, yeah. He was the guy who brought the Mentos product in. Oh my gosh. Damien Dementos. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Nope, 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 (laughs) nope. Damien Dementos. (laughs) Damn it all. God, the more I'm talking about it, the more I want it now. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some of the glory days of Monday Night Raw. And honestly, you can't really talk too much about glory days of Monday Night Raw without talking about the April 13th, 1998 episode of Monday Night Raw that happened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the reason why this was a game-changing episode is because for almost 80-plus weeks, Raw was getting their asses handed to them by WCW. And it was just one of those deals where they were just getting get delivered, you know, night in and night out. And they had great stars building up into that. They had you know great people like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rock was slowly getting on the rise. We see so many of these great stars building up, but they weren't quite to the point of you know guys like Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall who jumped ship from WWE to WCW. And what's funny is that there's a documentary about it, about the Monday Night Wars, where the previous week before this, uh, Eric Bischoff was in the ring. He had a motorcycle in there. He's just sitting in it. He's got a crown on. And he's just saying, oh, man, it just feels so great to be king, to win so many weeks against Monday Night Raw. There's nothing that they could do to stop us. And I remember Chris Jericho made the comment. He said, the very next week, Raw beat us in the ratings. So it's kind of those things where it's like, yeah, that kind of sounds like WCW in a nutshell. Way to go, Bischoff. Also, please don't hurt me, Bischoff. Um, but yeah, this was the first time that uh, Raw actually got a win in the uh, WCW Monday Night War. And it comes at a very huge expense because we got one of the biggest moments for uh, Monday Night Raw, which we will definitely get into, guys. Actually, we'll we have to talk about it because the first thing that starts off the show is a nice little promo package which we have stone cold steve austin and vince McMahon they're basically talking about uh what happened the last few weeks especially a lot the the previous week where stone cold he's coming out in a nice suit and he's supposed to be this champion that would be very good for the corporation and everything's supposed to be fine and blah 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 and we got even a moment where stone cold's like okay hey cameraman get over here let's take a picture here they're holding the belt, taking a nice little picture. Stone Cold has that kind of, like, grin of, like, <laughs> I hate my life. And then he just says, okay, because I want you to take that picture, put it up somewhere, because this is going to be the very last time you ever see me in a ridiculous suit like this. Just rips it off, hits Vince McMahon in the grapefruits, which is an awesome moment, Anytime, uh, But, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out, and he says, you know what? I got a proposition for you, Vince. You come on out here right now. And Vince comes out, and he's just kind of like, okay, well, what's going on here? And Stone Cold lays out the bombshell. He says, I want to put the WWE title on the line right here tonight, and I want to put the title on the line against you. You say you want to be, you know, this championship to be represented by somebody who fits the company mold. Well, here's your chance to do it. And he basically says that you got either two options. You either could do this the easy way, or you could do this the hard way. The easy way is to just accept the match, get ready for it, and come on out ready for a fight. The hard way is for Stone Cold Steve Austin to go into the back in the office, break down the door, and beat the ever-living crap out of you in your office area. He said, either way, you're getting the hell beat out of you tonight. (laughs) So, that was the, the thing during the first... I want to say half hour of the show because he basically said, I'm going to give you one hour to you know, come up with a decision. Otherwise we're doing it the hard way. So I think this was going on for like about half hour. There's like these segments where we see Vince talking with Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, the Stooges, you know, those guys, trust me, they're going to be mentioned uh, at least one more time before we wrap up this series. Um, and even Shane McMahon, they're talking to Vince about, you know, what's the best decision? What's the best way to do about this? Uh, but we'll come back to that in just a minute, because we kicked off the night with a cha- tag-team chain matchup. The Disciples of Apocalypse, Skull, and 8-Ball, very creative names, against uh, Los Buriquas, uh, Savio Vega, and Jose Estrada, no relation to Armando Alejandro Estrada, in which, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. Armando Alejandro, strap on some nuts, cause you ain't got none. I love, I loved those John Cena deals. That's probably one of the few times I think that John Cena was on his, enter- his A game for entertainment. Um, but yeah, this matchup literally ends in a no contest because DX just decided to come out and they're just like, yeah, we're just gonna attack everybody. So they attack the disciples of of the apocalypse. And they beat them down, uh, the Los Boricuas, they are literally just kind of watching, and then they're like, yay, hey, we are celebrating with DX, it's going to be awesome. DX and them do like a nice little, you know, cru- DX chop there. And we see China do a double low blow to Los Boricuas before getting beat down by DX. So literally as well as situations where it's like, yep, we're good, you guys are good, we're good. Oh, by the way, we goaded you and we're still going to beat the crap out of you. That was uh, that was entertaining. Uh, next matchup on here was Takanomaru versus Michinoku, I should say, versus J E F J A double R E double T Jeff Jarrett, and this matchup ends in a DQ. Honestly, guys, there's not really too much you could say about this matchup here. I mean, they mentioned the fact that oh, well, Takas the light heavyweight champion, he's been doing good now, and blah 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 stuff like that. It's like, well, okay. Um, Then we have a tag team matchup in which Terry Funk, stripping away the whole Chainsaw Charlie deal, he teams up with two Cold Scorpio, defeating the Quebecers, which I will say this somebody's excited to hear these guys. <laughs> we're up the Mounties,
0: we're handsome, we're brave, we're strong. And the fact I didn't get to hear that theme music with the Quebecers. Just oh man! But if they came out to their WCW theme, which was Oh Canada, eh, okay. But my my goodness, I, I absolutely love the Quebecers, and I think we all know that one half of the Quebecers is the man currently known as PCO. Oh shit! Huh? Yep, the guy with the eye patch. That's PCO.
1: Oh god! Well, damn! Never really thought of that. I didn't even know that. Huh? Yeah.
0: Yep, and the other half is, of course, the former Mountie, Jacques Rougeau. Like, oh, it, w- it was so good to see the Quebecers back at this point in time. But, man, they got jobbed out.
1: <laughs> that seems like the story of WWE. He's like, hey, we got some famous talent here. We're going to have them job out to one of our guys. Nice. Nice. <sighs> All right, so... Okay, so I will say this, that this next uh, matchup, which is a tag team match featuring Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, which I really wish I would see more of this team happening because Ken Shamrock, Steve Blackman, are you kidding me? Thank you, please. I would love some more. Uh, they took on the Midnight Express Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart, which I, oh. I will say this. This is the early incarnation of Bob Holly uh, remember when I said that Scott Steiner Scott looked great with the mullet? Not so much on Bob Holly. I kind of prefer the shade look on this guy. Uh, there comes a point during this matchup I thought was really hilarious that uh, Jr. got so sick and tired of saying bombastic, he's just like, you know, "I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm not going to say it anymore. I don't care what Jim Cornette says. I ain't saying no more." <laughs> to which I'm just laughing my ass off, thinking, "Wow, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette don't like each other." The Battle of the Gyms!
0: (laughs) This was, of course, you know, the new Midnight Express. Because as I said in previous previous podcasts, new teams are always the best. And Bombastic Bob, yeah, that mullet didn't suit him because God was already beating him to his uh, shaved head. (sighs)
1: God damn it! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that got me. That got me. Damn it. Oh my gosh! But this matchup ended in a double DQ. And oh, we should also mention it was a non-title matchup for the like AWA NWA tag. I don't know NWA NWA. Thank you. I it was it, it was it was WA. I at least got one letter right. I was one letter off. So sue me. Um, <laughs> so we then go into another matchup, which. Uh, is Owen Hart versus a member of D-Generation X. I will say this. DX, again, just proving to be one of the most comedic uh, factions of this time. And I'll tell you why. Because during this whole deal, we see see, um, Owen Hart come out. He's like, I want to face off one of you, so decide which one of you guys is going to come out and fight me. In which... DX said, okay, okay, well, we kind of decided, and Triple H then goes on this deal saying, like, so there was an easy way to do this. We had everybody do a 500-word essay on why they should face off against you. I mean, he basically makes a joke about his own crotch. Triple H does. Uh, he then ma- mentions this kind of, like, I think it's like a product name or something like that for Road Dog. It was like Zip, Zip Zack, Zip Zap, What?" I don't even remember what what, what it was. Something about... I I, I don't know. I think it was like on little pieces of paper. He couldn't make it out what it was. Uh, He said that Xbox One could be kind of explicit. Ironic, considering what goes into his career later on down the line. And we go into... He mentions China. He says he got so emotional, so heart-driven, that it was just so good that he could not repeat it on national TV, which I was like, okay, I mean... They're showing that she has, you know, some feminine quality, but also that she's kind of like the softie of the group, which is like, okay, I'm okay with this. And then, of course, they say, well, the winner of it is bad at is Mr. Ass Billy Gunn. So we get Owen Hart versus Billy Gunn in this matchup. Uh, we think that, you know, DX is going to screw Owen Hart during this, but no, because out comes LOD 2000. Let me, let me repeat that. Lod two thousand. What does this mean? So basically, Legion of Doom decided to do like this whole deal where they just revamped themselves. They gave themselves masks. They redid their uh, unit, their attire. Basically, just kind of like a reboot or something like that. Only the difference here is that they have Sunny as their manager. Oh, my God, was she hot during that time. Uh, But it's because of this distraction and because of the even odds, Owen Hart is able to pin Billy Gunn with a nice roll-up. One, two, three. Owen Hart gets the victory going into his match against Triple H at the Unforgiven In Your House show in, I want to say it was like three weeks from that night. I could be wrong. But you know what? Your boy Owen wins. That's what matters. And Ant, that's for you, buddy. Uh, before we get into talking about the main event Oh, you had something? Uh, no, I was just giving you
0: Owen, Owen, Owen Hart number one. What oh,
1: okay. is. <laughs> um Before we get into the main event I do want to talk about one thing that happened throughout the show Was that The Undertaker kept coming out during the night And he kept attacking people left and right and center Because the week prior uh, He was cutting a bit of a promo Talking about the Infernal match he's going to have with Kane but Kane and Paul Bear decide to make it personal by desecrating their parents' grave sites destroying the tombstones and this sends Undertaker on a blind fury which in all honesty was one of those things where it's like it makes sense to have him just come out and just destroy everybody and you know even the commentators made, made sense they were basically saying saying no Undertaker why are you attacking these people they don't deserve this they've done nothing what is the point of all this and for me I'm just like he's pissed he can't take it out on Kane because he can't find him. So he's literally just going to take it out on everybody else. It makes sense. It's injustice, but it's still one of those things where it's like, it makes sense. Uh, this evolved into a deal in which Paul Bearer says, you can have your match with Kane, but on my terms, and you're going to have to meet them at the place your parents were buried. So it's like, okay, they're going to have a match in the graveyard. Interesting. I did not watch that matchup, and I it's not on my high list of matchups I'm going to watch, so... We're going to kind of move past that. But on to the main event. So the question was, did Vince McMahon agree to fight Stone Cold Steve Austin, or did he chicken out? Well, after a half an hour of the show, he comes out, and he answers that question. Will I fight Stone Cold Steve Austin in this ring tonight? Oh, hell yeah. So we get this build-up to Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event. Loved it. I love that they were trying to like train him. There, there's even Shane just like, no, no, he shouldn't do this. Even Jr. was like, no, this should not happen. No, I have, I have, <laughs> I have bills to pay. I can't lose a check. And he even mentions during like the match he's like, I just bought a house. It's just one of those things where it's like, he's like, I don't want my boss to die. We see uh, Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. They're in the ring. Uh, Vince McMahon slaps Stone Cold in the face big mistake buddy because you know that if you piss off a rattlesnake it's going to bite you in the ass except that Vince McMahon decided to take Stone Cold's words and turn it on him by saying you said earlier that you could beat Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind your back and of course Stone Cold's just like frick are you serious and she even admits he's like yeah I did say that so they tie up his right arm right behind his back Basically to neutralize the stunner, I think it was. Stone Cold and we get one of the most comedic moments in all of Monday Night Raw. I loved this. Stone Cold grabs the microphone from Vince and he says, If you wanna see me whoop this man's ass with one arm tied behind my back, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. The crowd's going crazy. Hell yeah. And <laughs> then Vince decides, oh well, they'll say hell yeah to anything. So he says, if you think that Vince McMahon can beat Stone Cold Steve Austin with one arm tied behind his back, give me a hell yeah. Crowd's reaction, hell no. No. (laughs) Oh, God. I kept watching that at least two or three times. Just like, wow. Raw fans back then were really smart. They weren't just like making chance just for chance. They were listening and saying, yeah, you think we're going to do this, but nope, we're going to do a swerve at you, buddy. So... It seems like match is ready to go. We're thinking, okay, here we go. We're getting the matchup. We're getting the ratings peak. We're getting it. Here we go. Hey! Hey, hey, hey. Out comes Dude Love, who last week decided to say, oh, Cactus Jack is dead. You're not going to see him anymore. So he comes out. He basically is trying to be like the peacemaker. He says he's going to put the veto on this matchup. And he sa- says, hey, Stone Cold, I know you want to beat up Vince, but he pays my checks, so let's just not do that. And he says to Vince, well, you have to remember that Stone Cold Steve Boston is one of the toughest SOBs around, and he will drop you on your A-double-S any Vince shoves down Dude Love, and and Dude Love's just like, okay, you want to play that way? You just made a mistake, and he's trying to do the mandible claw on... Uh, Vince McMahon, Stone Cold tries to get involved and he gets clawed by Dude Love and this leads up guys to a match between Dude Love and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the Unforgiven show which you know honestly I think people might want to forget that one because ending's kind of weird but anyway um, it's actually one of the few times we actually see Stone Cold kind of taken to his limit he's got one arm tied behind his back he tries to fight back but Dude Love he's got both of his arms he's able to just beat down on Stone Cold and kind of send that message to him that, yeah, he's coming for the title. So, honestly, again, this is another one of those shows that, you know, even though it's kind of messy here and there, it was still entertaining. I mean, I liked the th- deals with The Undertaker. I thought the match with Owen Hart and Billy Gunn was good. I liked the build-up to Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. It does end in the kind of like a swervy fashion, but in all honesty... It's not a bad thing. It kinda does make you think, okay, well what happens next? So yeah, in all honesty, I thought it was a pretty good show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't get to, to actually watch this one, but I I remember it like it was yesterday. Like this was uh, this was eighth grade for me. We were talking about this the next night uh, at the next day at school, just Every, everything with Austin uh, I'm looking at this and like The Bariquas and The DOA are still Feuding in April 98 despite the fact that Half of the members of both Factions have all left the WWE Like Crush was gone I actually got to see one of Crush's last Matches live um, Chains was Hanging around Somewhere then you had Like, Salvio Vega I mean, if you want to talk about a guy With with, uh, longevity in the WWE He had been there since 1993 When he was Quang
1: (laughs) Quang Chung? No, I'm thinking of Uh, Wang Chung, sorry
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh And just the I'm looking at all these names That I used to watch You know, you had This was like Right near the height of DX's popularity You had Owen Hart just on the cusp of his whiny nugget uh, run, and then eventually joining the Nation of Domination. And then there is just Austin McMahon. I mean, this was truly a game. It was a game-changing raw. You said it best. It it was fun to go back, but this was also the night of no contests. Like, how many matches ended definitively?
1: Maybe what one. only Owen Hart and Billy Gunn you're right only one matchup was like hey we got a definitive winner but I mean it can't can't be all that bad because Owen Hart won right Uh,
0: oh yeah any time I get to see my boy win
1: (laughs) it's a happy day (laughs) but yeah alright so with that you guys we're going to conclude this episode with another list of favorites going into SummerSlam like I said before you guys all throughout the weeks pri- prior build-up to SummerSlam, I've been going through this list of things that are our favorites, including tag teams, women's wrestlers, as well as male wrestlers, and even my favorite matchup of the corresponding year. So, let's just get right into it. So, last week was actually very Canada-esque, ironically enough, and it was kind of funny. And it is one of the crazy things, because it was lucky number seven, so that's kind of one of those things where it's like, huh, funny how that works. So now we are on to number six here, ladies and gentlemen. Starting with the tag teams, I actually have the tag team of Mercury, Nitro, and Melina, m I really love this team, because when they first came out, they were basically kind of like the Hollywood kind of tag team that you would just absolutely love to hate. And it showed. They had the red carpet, they had the paparazzi, they had... The deals where they just kept looking out. And they literally, literally, Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro, they just looked like they were chiseled out of granite. They had those good looks. And, of course, you have the hottie, hot hottie, Molina, right behind them, who did one of the best entrances of all time. Let's face it. Anybody who could do a splits going underneath the bottom rope, that's, that's nice. That's very nice. And, honestly, these guys have had great success as a tag team. Three-time WWE tag team champions, defeating... The team of Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, the Legion of Doom. They defeated even Batista and Rey Mysterio in a. I think it was a steel. No, it was a singles matchup. That's right, because that was when Mark Henry came back and he decided I'm gonna basically murder Batista. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved Eminem. I liked the fact that these guys were just so very well into the idea of just being hated, and they showed. They're just like, yeah, we're Hollywood. We're famous. We look good, but you know something? There's nothing you can do about. We're better than you. Deal with it.
0: I was thoroughly entertained by Eminem, and of course, they were unseated by one of my one of my favorite tag teams, who could be maybe around the same spot your guys are, but London and Kendrick. Oh shit! Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and I love like Molina's entrance. Like, damn.
1: You know, you know, I've met Melina three times in, in my year and in my uh, life, and all three times. I don't think I've ever m- mentioned the entrance. So next time I see Melina, I think I need to mention that, you ha- that she had one of my favorite entrances of all time. And honestly, just one of those things where I'm just going to be like, yeah, you also are very flexible. That's what made that even better. <laughs> I mean, and she used that flexibility throughout her career, so that was... Really cool to see. Uh, speaking of women, going into number six. And this one might actually be a shock for a lot of people. That this is, woman is not in my top five. But when we get into the top five, you'll kind of understand why. Uh, my number six is actually the man, Becky Lynch. So this is one of those things that I will say. From her starting off, it's just kind of like the... Uh, I, th- I think she was doing like an Irish line dance when she first came in. Just one of those things was like, oh, this is such a cringe-worthy persona. This is so, so bizarre. And then she had that heel turn where she teamed up with Sasha Banks. She started finding her footing. She started finding her true self. She came out, I think, during a match with her. And that's when she did the whole reddish hair kind of deal. Well, I think it was actually more like orangish, reddish hair, if I'm not mistaken. But um, either way, she really started coming out of her own right there. And she has kind of been like the dark horse, if not one of the more vastly underrated and underappreciated women of the four horsemen, between her, Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte. But I think ever since the whole draft kind of came in, she started coming into her own. She became a women's champion of SmackDown. She became the first women's champion of SmackDown. Uh to this modern era. I know that some people are saying, no, that was Michelle McCool. That was the Divas Championship. And I say to you, shut the hell up. That Divas title never existed. We had uh, her putting on some really good matches, and she was still kind of a floater every now and again. But then, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, she really came out into her own when she did the whole turn on Charlotte at SummerSlam, where people just were in shock, but they were also thinking, Oh my God, yes, she's going to be a heel. She's going to be a badass. And ever since then, it's just been balls to the wall, full speed ahead for her career. She became SmackDown Women's Champion. She won the Royal Rumble. She main-evented WrestleMania against Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, pinning Ronda Rousey, albeit controversial. Still a victory at WrestleMania, which I will take. And she has definitely been the man and has definitely really given us something that we have not forgotten. And that is indeed a memorable career. And I will still say this, that she is definitely, definitely on the track of being a future Hall of Famer.
0: Oh, absolutely like Be- Becky Lynch she- she's probably my favorite women's wrestler right now although I think if I were to make a list like yours she might land around the same spot uh, I uh, every time I-, I hear about her cringe uh, Yo! her friggin Irish dancing gimmick. Like she's, she's a longtime friend of um, O S W reviews uh, V one Steve. They used to like sit out in front of their post office in Dublin and talk about wrestling. And uh, last year, just last year, when O S W got to review uh, the Marine, uh, like seven or whatever the movie is, you had a picture of Steve and um, and Becky. It's like, oh, these are old childhood friends, and now now here we are. Uh, yeah. You, you, you said everything the best about Becky Lynch. She's just... She's on her way up, man.
1: Oh, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what she would... What her Hall of Fame speech would be. It just... Oh, it's just a beautiful sight. Um, I will say this. That I do, I still do like that whenever she did the whole straight fire deal, it was always just one of those things where it's like she's always trying to get the crowd behind her, and now she vastly has the crowd in the palm of her hand. It's just... It's just... Awesome to see that. All right, so finally, guys, number six for the men's list is somebody who has been mentioned in the podcast uh, here today and might kind of shock you that he is not in the top five. But I think when we get to the top five, some people might not be surprised, but some people might be. Um, for this one, I have the beer gesturing, beer drilling, rattlesnake himself, Stone Cold Steve austin absolutely this guy had to be on my list no matter what i think he was actually higher up uh, until i revisited the list i'm like oh gosh i gotta put him down just a peg uh nothing against stone cold and honestly i'm loving the fact that he still is finding success with his podcast i believe that he had his first podcast in a while this it was either this past week or the week prior but either way i th- definitely want to take a listen to that um This is a guy who deserved every single bit of credit that he's done throughout the career. Everything that WWE has, the edgier attitude, the edgier side, is because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because you have to remember, I believe it really started in 1996 when he had the whole King of the Ring promo where he basically drops the deal where he just says, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. That's when everything started to unfold. We see Stone Cold becoming an intercontinental champion. We see him becoming a Royal Rumble winner. We see him hit the pinnacle of WrestleMania 14 by winning the WWE title from Shawn Michaels. In what was, in all honesty, I would say a passing of the torch. That Shawn Michaels represented one era. Stone Cold represented the next era. And from there, we got so many great matches, you guys. His matches with The Rock, Triple H, uh, even some of the like, lower card matches, even matches with Mick Foley were really good. You definitely cannot deny that Stone Cold Steve Austin is somebody that is a mainstay and honestly a cornerstone of the WWE. There is no denying that he was going to be on this list. And very glad that we get to talk about him and some of his stages. And trust me, guys, when we talk more, we're going to get more Stone Cold on here. So don't you worry.
0: If it wasn't for the hearts, Austin would be at the top of my all-time list. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, they feuded. They had a blood feud against each other, so I can kind of understand the skepticism between so many deals. It just, yeah, because you got Brett, you got Owen. I can understand why Stone Cold is not quite up there yet. But again, it's not one of those things where we're insulting him. And honestly, guys, uh, he's got a new show coming out in August called Straight Up Steve Austin, where he's going to be doing like crazy wild deals with celebrities. It actually looks like a very entertaining show, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think it's going to be one of those shows that he is going to have a lot of success with. I mean, he did the first season when they brought back Tough Enough. He did this uh, Broken Skull Ranch, I believe was the other one that he did. Uh, now we got, you know, Straight Up Steve Austin. It just looks very entertaining. I even made a tweet, and I said, The Straight Up Steve Austin thing looks really good. Miz, you might have some competition. Because, <laughs> sorry... Ever since watching Miz and Misses, i I've been a fan of that, but it's like, ooh, straight-up Steve Austin might have my win. They might, He might take the spot, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. So, all right, we go into the favorite matchup of the corresponding year. We are in 2013, and I will tell you guys this. It's going to be the last time that you'll hear these two guys on this list And I think it's one of the last few times that you'll probably see... Well, actually, no. There's one other time that you will see uh, a WWE uh, matchup put on this list, like a WWE main roster one put on this list. Uh, But this one was very hard for me to contest with anything that went on during the year 2013. Of course, a lot of people know because they probably experienced it at MetLife Stadium, that, of course, being at WrestleMania 29... The main event, the true main event of WrestleMania 29, that being CM Punk versus The Undertaker. So build-up for this matchup was legitimately interesting because for the first time remember, we actually had four guys compete against each other to determine who was going to fight The Undertaker. I think it might have been uh, Sheamus versus Big Show versus Orton versus Punk, if I'm not mistaken. There's some kind of fatal four-way. Uh, But Punk ended up winning. He earned the right to face The Undertaker. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, wow, it's kind of like a video game storyline. This is kind of interesting. Uh, We got into, unfortunately, some real-life situations brought into the mix with the passing, unfortunately, of Paul Bear, which did add more heat to uh, CM Punk when he decided to take the urn, basically mock Paul Bear, and really... Basically make this a deal where he just says, you know, I don't need to beat you by pinfall or submission. I can beat you by count-out, by DQ. It's still considered a loss to to defeat the streak. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, he could actually do this. He could actually win by a technicality. Because if he's making this as personal as you can imagine it being, he could make The Undertaker lose his focus and lose that concentration to you know, focus on the fact that, hey, I need to basically beat this guy. Uh, Match itself, CM Punk probably said it best that he came in there with the biggest chip on his shoulder, but he also wrestled that match like he had a death wish. And this is probably the last best match that The Undertaker has ever had, period. I will definitely make that statement. Because Undertaker was on his A game, CM Punk was on his A-plus game, we see so many great spots, including you know, an elbow drop to the announce table. We see CM Punk do a GTS to Undertaker, and then he bounces off the ropes. Undertaker picks him up, hits a tombstone for a close three count. We see Undertaker set him up for the last ride. Punk's got the urn. He bashes in Undertaker's skull. And it looks like, oh, God, we're going to see the streak ending right here. It would have been, honestly, one of the cruelest ways to end the streak if it was ended via urn, uh, but it gets a close two count. And CM Punk suffers another tombstone for the victory. The Undertaker goes in 21-0. and zero. And I'm going to say this, and this is probably going to be a pretty controversial statement to state. With everything that went on, I think that CM Punk was the guy that should have ended the streak. In all honesty, some people could say, well, Brock Lesnar should have died. He was the only legitimate guy who could have believed that. I understand that. You want to have somebody who could legit beat Undertaker in a fight, and CM Punk will probably nobody could see that happening. It's still one of those things where you have to remember that the nostalgia is still there, and CM Punk was probably the first of, me- of very few people that was legitimately on the Undertaker's level during that matchup. You got you know him, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, uh, Randy Orton, Batista, uh, even Edge. Whereas a lot of those guys just literally went out there, and they probably were thinking the same thing. They probably were wrestling like they had a death wish against The Undertaker, and they still put on hell of a great matches. It wasn't until about, well, maybe 21 to 23 that people really started noticing The Undertaker's matches and being like, okay, we see this. We know it's going to be awesome. So that's my opinion on that, and that's one of the reasons why this was a match that I could not turn down at all because Taker versus Punk is still one of the best Wrestlemania matches of all time and it's still one of those matches that I believe was possibly tainted at the fact that it was another Undertaker victory I would have preferred to see him Punk win but you know what, it's in the history books I can still accept it, these guys definitely put on a huge match of the century quality matchup
0: I absolutely adored this match and now, I would kind of agree with uh, Punk being the guy to break the streak. I think had it not been for the real-life passing of Paul Bear, I thought it would have been a bit more of a possibility. But, you know, after you used to see, like, you know, Punk and Heyman come out and doing the, oh, yes! I'm just like, I, I love you, Punk, but I can't wait for Undertaker to murder you.
1: <laughs> I think that there was a lot of people's... Uh Testaments, but I think even after that, I was just kind of like, "It's okay, it's okay." Punk does not really hate Paul Bearer. It's just all, all part. I think there was a part of it that was starting to really unravel the whole kayfabe deal, where it's like, "It's it's it's okay. I can forget Punk. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine." Just beat Undertaker at WrestleMania, second Tombstone. It's like, "Damn it!" <laughs> I saw this coming, but at the same time, I wanted it to be something else. But again, it's an awesome matchup, and honestly it's CM Punk's last major headline matchup next to him and Brock Lesnar later on that year so and honestly this is the kind of crazy part is that this was exactly the spot where CM Punk was slowly starting to realize yeah maybe WWE is not for me maybe it was a few months beforehand but this was where he was started realizing this is just not I'm not having fun with this anymore but, alright, guys, so on that note, we will end this edition of the Game Changer podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. So, thank you guys so much for listening in. Of course, you can check us out on Spreaker.com as well as on Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Podcasts, so many great uh, podcast outlets, including Anchor on Wrestle Attic Radio, where you can check out everybody else. Be sure to check out everybody, all of our friends. Including the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Gift of Podcast, the Nacho Mamas Soap Opera podcast, the One and Only Fourth Wall Wrestlecast, and of course, uh, Jesus, I feel I feel like now I've, I've forgotten all this because I think I said Gift of Podcast, Kings of the Rings, Fourth Wall Wrestlecast, Nacho Mamas Soap Opera. I think that's about it, right? And then there's us. And then there's us, of course. Maybe that's who I was missing out on. Why not plug us again? So thank you guys so much for joining us here. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Real Game. Also, be sure to check us out on our Facebook fan page where I do upload a lot of our great podcast episodes that not only deal with wrestling, but also with pop culture as well as movies because it's a lot of fun doing that. Mr. Fretz, this is where you do your... Shameless, cheap McFoley plug. By all means, where can people find you? And also, don't you have a podcast of your own that you like to do on your off time? Uh, yes, although my podcast,
0: Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-E-L-E, mania, you know, on anchor.fm and wherever podcasts can be heard, uh, it's kind of been on the back burner because of this, and, you know, I'm we're in the busy season in Sabo Beach. Uh, I'm working six nights a week, so maybe a little later on i'll get something going say after fight for the fallen i might have a show made up but yes you can follow me on twitter and instagram at the legendary jf if you go to my pinned tweet you can find a link to a donation where i am doing a 8 kilometer walk run here where i live proceeds go to the sick kids hospital in toronto bleeding disorders fund it'll help kids like my niece abby who has a, a rare bleeding disorder and it's just raising money to find uh, to find a cure for it so if you can help me out with that that would be much much appreciated
1: definitely guys make a donation and make a difference so for us here at the game changer podcast for mr Fretz, i've been nate the and great telling you in the words of Shinsuke Nakamura, possibly the future Intercontinental Champion, because, oh my god, I kind of do want to see, I want to see Nakamura versus Finn Balor for that title, that's going to be awesome, in the words of Nakamura, we only got two words for ya, come on!